0: Jonathan Harmon, why do we insist on making a schedule if we're not going to stick to it? Well, that's the big
1: question, isn't it? I mean, we're kind of keeping to our schedule.
0: Well, okay. Yes. So, you know you know me. I, I live by my calendar and my to-do yep. list. Yep. And, you know, I think we've had some good moments, some good runs of every other week we're recording. Yeah. And then we started this brand new calendar year saying we're back on the horse.
1: And what is the first thing that we do?
0: Skip a week. We skip a week. <laughs> well, this
1: week we're gonna do. We're gonna do. Ideally, the plan is right now to do two in a row or two weeks in a row.
0: Wow. Well, that's a now you're now you're you're promising. I've just
1: yeah. It's out in the open.
0: Now that it's out,
1: it's literally on the internet, we, which means it's true.
0: <laughs> we got, <laughs> we actually have to do it now. <laughs> yeah. All right. How do you well, feel about that? In the sense we are here, I feel well. I feel great. I'm always <laughs> willing and ready to have. An, a platform from which to speak. <laughs> so, a soapbox, as it were? So you
1: don't, A soapbox,
0: perhaps. <laughs> uh, so you don't really have to sell me on the idea of, of recording mm, more. Good. Um, and, and I know I don't have to sell you either. I think it's just sort of life happens. Yeah. I think like yeah, last week, happen. for example, last week you just had some, some conflict.
1: Yeah, I was on retreat on a little tr- Vow triduum.
0: um Yeah, which actually I want to talk to you about. But before we get, <laughs> I want to say, you... You have been on like winter break. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Since. Yeah, man.
0: Definitely since the last episode.
1: This has literally been our first week of
0: of class. (laughs) Yeah. I am approaching midterms, just so you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: My semester is halfway over. (laughs) You do realize as we record this, it is the first week of February and next week is like a week from today begins spring break. Really?
1: Wow, that's so early. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> is yeah it e- it's not even spring. Is on- it is not even spring. That's true. So we call it we call it Reading Week. Yeah,
1: we do that too. You know, it's kind of dumb. Um, Everybody knows what it is. It's
0: my sp- it's spring break in the middle of winter.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, you guys have your January term in May.
0: That's so true. So it's the same.
1: It's the same workload. And the same amount of schooling.
0: Right, right, right. Now, I think the if I were to defend our program here in good old Canada, I would say that the advantage is, is that my summer and my like middle May term are butting up against each other. So I can do a long summer assignment early on. Yeah, um, yeah that's cool. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> uh, you can be jealous. It's okay.
1: Well, there are other reasons to be jealous of the program in Toronto.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Let's uh take a moment of silence here to honor Canada, please. Thank you. Okay. I, that was, that was enough. And we're done. <laughs> so how's uh how's the semester going so far?
1: Uh pretty good. You know, last semester, I'm trying my hardest not to fall into senioritis too bad, too badly. Mm-hmm. Um I've got one more class this week. It's kind of a weird schedule. I've got two classes on Tuesday, one on every other Wednesday. And one on Friday.
0: Huh, that's weird. So on any given week, you can have three classes or four. Yep.
1: Yep. Huh. Yeah, that's I'm good. doing a special reading course in canon law of the sacraments. Which oh, that's so should good. be really cool. Yeah, I'm excited. It's um. So we don't have a canon lawyer on faculty at the uh, mm-hmm. at the school, and so what they do is bring in the the head lawyer for the diocese for Oakland to do. He's like an nice. adjunct, so he teaches the The foundation canon law foundation class. Since I already did that when I was in first studies in, in St Louis, um, one of our one of our brothers and I asked him if he would do like a like a part two. So we're looking at the sacraments except marriage, because that's its own class. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Uh, so yeah, I think it'll be yeah. I think it'd be pretty cool, and especially looking at you know possibly going to a parish next year, just having a good canonical understanding of the sacraments will be a good, oh, a good foundation.
0: Yeah, I, this time last year I was taking an introduction to canon law class and it was surprisingly interesting because canon law I would not have expected to be so interesting. Um, but what I wanted most of all, I didn't really get, which was the canon law of the sacraments, yeah. especially the canon law of marriage, which right. is so important right. for pastoral ministry right, right in, the, in, the, in the church. Yeah,
1: and you know, so we had our first meeting this week, and it 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 was surprising at how at how much even though it's been years since I took that introductory class um, having that makes you i mean it's like any foundations class uh talking about the sacraments without having to go into what is a canon you know what is how mm-hmm. do we interpret blah 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 uh, it was a lot more freeing and less kind of restrictive right. on on how we look at the sacraments. So I can yeah. definitely see why this is not something that you go into depth with the Foundations
0: class. Sure, sure, sure. No, that's cool. I I have learned to really love canon law, not because I would ever want to study it. I don't think I would, but <laughs> it's like incredibly freeing to know what's possible. Right. Like what, right. In, you know, some people say it like canon law is that which uh, like tells you the restrictions. But another way of looking at it is like canon law tells you like, the possibilities for right, inclusion right, right. for possibility. Like, this is how we make it work. This is how we've understood pastoral mm-hmm. norms because of experience. Because, like, they say every canon usually is tied to someone's mistake right. or someone's attempt. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and that's the problem of looking at this through a generally a Western, but specifically an American mindset, a legal mindset. You know, our laws uh-huh. are very different from what canon law is. They're prescriptions, yes, but like you said, they're they're usually they usually come out of a practical um, experience, and they're they're meant to yeah to show you the possibilities of how to of how these wonderful sacraments and liturgies and and our way of proceeding can really flourish.
0: Sure, are you uh, looking forward to this class most of all? Would you say this is your
1: um. No, it's going to be fun. I'm going to enjoy it. But um I think the one that I'm looking forward to the most is the one that's giving me the most amount of apprehension. <laughs> oh, yeah? Which one's that? Uh, so I'm taking this class through the Eastern Orthodox Institute called mm-hmm. Vocalizing Theology.
0: What does that mean? It's
1: being co-taught by... So the I've taken... I've taken the main professor before. He's uh, a liter, uh, Eastern liturgist. Um, and is being co-taught by a, by an actor, by this guy that teaches, um, acting skills at, uh, at a school in San Francisco. And so it's going to, it's basically an elocution class. We're learning how to pray really, really long prayers well. Out loud. Out loud. Yes. Yes. Huh. So it's 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 frightening for me in the sense that, well, as you know, I don't really like singing, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, I think there's going to be a lot of that.
0: Well, so this is is this a practical class or is this like a theory well? Class?
1: It's kind of both. We're doing it. We're doing a split. So the main professor is doing the theoretical liturgical stuff, and then the second mm-hmm. half of the class is basically a practicum we're going to we're going to jump into like we're going to each choose um choose a, some prayer texts and and work on it. Hmm. So we're going nice. to we're going to be doing both.
0: You know, that that reminds me of a question that I had for you. Oh. I was thinking uh so you're ideally hopefully God willing etc going to be a priest in June yep. of this couple year. A couple months. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, Ooh. man. Uh what are you doing Jonathan Harman to prepare yourself for that?
1: Like what do you mean
0: by that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know.
1: That's a very open ended question. How are you preparing question. yourself?
0: Yeah, well, uh yeah, well, rise up to the occasion man. I, uh, what are you uh What are you doing to prepare yourself for that?
1: Well, there's a lot of things. I mean, I'm I'm working on we're continuing our our practice our practicum celebrating mass together with the other deacons in the house we just got our schedule worked out for that for the semester
0: is that just informal like you guys getting together to practice it's
1: yeah it's a group of about 3 of us um and we'll gather once a week and do a couple of practice masses and do some critique <laughs>
0: of about three yeah i don't remember if it's three or four <laughs> i'm not sure anybody's ever described a group as about three <laughs> it's like you gotta be if you precise say it's like about 10 <laughs> it. it's like you can look at a room and if there's three people you can just say well, three. it'll be three or
2: four okay <laughs>
0: three or four
1: between three mm-hmm. and four <laughs> very Three-ish. good Very good. Uh, anyway mm-hmm. uh yeah so i'm getting hopefully we'll become a little bit more confident in um in that just the in the presiding role mm-hmm. one of the nice. things that i'm yeah. not doing that i should be doing that i'm going to try to do is to find Dieting. a voice coach and diet oh <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah you got to get to your ordination weight bro yeah
1: yeah i'm still a little <laughs> heavy and by a little i mean a lot <laughs> yeah
0: yeah 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 Jonathan has actually started uh, started describing his weight in like kilograms, <laughs> but without saying kilograms, that way the number will be a lot lower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jonathan, how much do you weigh? Oh, about 95. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway.
0: No, that's good. So you're saying a voice coach for you to, uh, this is sort of the locution thing that you were Yeah, yeah, yeah. For... So I'm,
1: it'll be interesting to see if this will like be able, I don't, I mean, it's obviously not the same thing as having a voice coach. Okay. I know that. I realize that. But if it'll mm-hmm. kind of take some of those qualities that I would learn from a voice coach. And right. Be able to just, be, I really just want to be a little bit more comfort, comfortable chanting, like the Alleluia, um, mm-hmm. the doxology, things like that. Cause I really don't do that. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. Um,
0: I'm not sure I've ever heard you sing in public at all.
1: Well, you have. There was one thing that I did recently. And you probably don't even remember. Were oh, you singing
0: publicly? Yeah. It was only. Oh, was I mean, was it at a, a mass and you did the kyrie? Nope. It was at one. It was one line.
1: For our formation. Was that like karaoke? No, or... it was at uh, our formation <laughs> gathering when I led adoration.
0: Oh, I wasn't there. Ooh, Ooh There it is. <laughs> I missed that.
1: <laughs> I chanted the yeah. "You have given us bread from heaven."
0: Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, I was very edified to see many, many people at Adoration. <laughs> um, and I was very grateful that they were there. It's so early but in the I morning. Was probably, I was probably asleep. Yeah. <laughs> now, not to disedify, but I did my prayer that day, probably. <laughs> it's likely. <laughs> it's, it's more than likely. Good. Well, okay. So, you know, you have a few more months, man, and I'm going to hold your feet to the fire here because. You gotta, you gotta be ready for that word. Yeah, bro. Day.
1: You know, one of the things that I, I'm going to do for this class, and I'll, I'll send it your way as well, is videotape myself celebrating a practice mass.
0: Good, good. Yeah, I've been doing that for you this I year. I know,
1: and I, re- I've really been appreciating it.
0: Oh, really? Has it been helpful for you, it or has it just yeah. been nice for you to give me feedback?
1: Both. I've really, it's well. Before I tell you my uh, review of it, how has that been going for you to videotape these things and the? To- well just to do it
0: well okay yeah so so i'm also in a class where we're doing a practicum on the liturgy so for the first 5 weeks of the semester we've been doing the mass so we started with the introductory rites and we're working our way all the way through the mass and we finished this week with the concluding rites um and for the second half of the semester we're going to go through the rituals like baptism marriage funerals etc uh-huh. um so that'll be a lot of fun but i so it wasn't a part of the course but i decided to offer my little cohort of about five people, I think we are. Um yeah, for our little cohort, uh, that I would record them uh-huh. um while they if they wanted me to, while they practiced uh in front of our professor. Um I just have found for myself, and I think this is one of the things that I learned through the podcasting, is that as uncomfortable as uncomfortable as it is, being able to hear myself and watch myself yeah. eventually it becomes very natural to watch myself. It's not very uncomfortable. Um at the beginning of of course it is. Mm-hmm. Um but it's so necessary. Like a, sil- a silly example would be like, you know, when, when a priest holds his arms out, you know, in prayer, it's like, I don't know what that looks like. Right. Like I have no idea what it looks like to people, but I know that it feels right to me because I'm just, you know, putting my arms in the air uh, in a way that's not going to hurt my shoulders. But if I record that and show it to somebody, they could be like, dude, your arms are completely lopsided <laughs> or, you know, why are you looking like uh, like that? So anyway, so that's just been very helpful for me. To watch myself has been great, I think part of part of it that's been really good too is sending it to my parents mm. uh and having them give me they haven't given me any feedback, but they've given me a lot of excitement yeah, uh, yeah because yeah, yeah. they've been very you know super excited to see me in, in investments and you know celebrating the mass and that's been super cool, but also sending it to guys like you who can give me feedback mm-hmm. which has been very helpful
1: yeah it's been great. although you
0: can be a little nitpicky I well
1: think. i I can be, but I think And this has actually come up in my, in when I took the class last semester, you know, a lot of the guys were becoming super nitpicky on things that you just get better at with time. And Mm. so I'm super, you know, okay, whatever. That's just a style thing that you'll come to, you know, we're doing that now because it's new and we're nervous. So some things I'm not too concerned with, but yeah, I mean, there are some nitpicky things that I can see would easily become a habit. Mm. and not just like oh i don't know how to i don't know how to move in this vestment so i'm walking awkwardly like okay i don't really care
2: right
0: um, yeah no, that's good that's good i've uh i've gotten to the point where i think i think that it should be like standard practice for once every five years you know a, a celebrant should have himself recorded yeah. or once every 10 years even well. um have himself recorded and watch himself saying mass with the intention of learning right how to improve like not just as a like punishment Um, But as a way of saying, hey, I want to receive feedback and the best way for me to do that is to watch myself.
1: There it is. Let's put it on the calendar.
0: We're going to have a recurring event on our (laughs) calendar once every 10 years to record ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to put a schedule for (laughs) 2029 for us to do our first review of our celebrations. (laughs) You heard it. You
1: heard it here first.
0: (laughs) There it is. There it is. Uh, no, that's good, actually, I think it is good practice to hold each other accountable in presiding styles. I also think it's good practice to like regularly ask someone to give you feedback on your preaching, yeah, definitely, which I don't think we have any culture of whatsoever, no at least in in North America. you know
1: it's true, and just yesterday, uh as we record, my local deanery got together for a little for a little preaching workshop where we just kind of looked at the readings. Of for Lent. This is specifically looking at the readings for Lent. Um, and we had, uh, a Dominican come in and just give us a little, some of his thoughts, a little exegesis, a little, some guiding reflection questions. And we talked about what, what are some of the things we might want to preach about. Hmm. Um, not unlike this new podcast that I've been listening to.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> I'll leave it at that.
1: Uh but you might yeah. find a new oh, yeah. a new thing on our website under the other shows mm-hmm. uh tab mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i think I mean I think that's just a good idea for guy for for guys who are engaged in preaching on a regular basis to talk right. about these things because a lot of the time we mm-hmm. leave it in our heads until it's spoken out loud in front of a congregation,
0: yeah, and that's too late, yep, yep, so. Yeah, and I guess another another part of it, too, is I think on the front end, for sure, having conversations with people, um, even people within the parish or people that you trust, you know, in the congregation to, you know, bad ideas around and everything. But, like, I wouldn't be... Like, you and I used to be a part of a community in St. Louis where we used to have the habit of passing around, like, a worksheet yeah, to people yeah. who were going to be at Mass. And if I was going to be preaching that day in the house, like, that person knows to be listening to yep. it for a few things and is going to give me written feedback. Yeah, that was a great practice. Like, what would... What would that be like for you like next year if you're going to be in a parish? If you, you know, got five or six people that you knew were at that mass every mm-hmm. week and said, hey, here's a little form. Don't bring it to mass, but like read it before mass and then listen for these questions throughout my homily. And I w- could you, if, you, if you're if you interested, write down some thoughts and then give them to me or give them to the pastor. And then I want to sit down with the pastor to have a conversation yeah. with him about what feedback he can give me. That would be
1: incredible. Uh, I would love that. You know. Do it. It would take, I mean, obviously you can't just, well, maybe you can just ask some rando parishioner. Um, you think I would, I would like for there to be a, somewhat of a rapport there that they know that they mm. can mainly so that they know that they can be honest and not just, I don't want to just hear you, you know, congratulate me on speaking out loud.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Well, maybe this is why like next year you're not going to be the pastor. Yeah. You're going to be an associate pastor, perhaps. So, if it's done through the pastor, then the pastor can receive the feedback, and then he can filter it for mm. you. You know what I mean, so like people won't be giving you feedback directly, right. but he'll give it they'll give yeah, it to him and then he can sit down with you and be like, "Hey, you know a lot of people said this, other people said this, What do you think about this?" Yeah,
1: yeah, I like
2: it,
0: all right, man, put it in the calendar, put it in <laughs> <laughs> well, good, yeah, so that's great man so your 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 locution class. More so than your canon law classes are the one you're looking forward to the Yeah,
1: most. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we both got comps this cool. this semester, huh?
0: We do, we do. Comps is a little different, I think, here than it is in California. For me, my comps is a fifty-page. paper.
1: Oof. Actually, I would I would comps? I pr- would prefer that. Actually, we're doing what is your comps? we're doing. So I don't exactly know. <laughs> it's kind of secretive (laughs) our first our first uh class for comps is this this afternoon so i'll have a better idea oh
0: you guys have a you have a class for it
1: yep it's kind of like an optional class to come and review some of the stuff that's been going on
0: is it like a you sit in a room and people ask you questions or is it you write a paper
1: no so like our what we did for our day you in st louis that that would no like is that what you're thinking yes that would be ideal and that would be epic. But it's not that.
0: Okay, it's like what guest it?
1: lectures coming in and talking about the Trinity.
0: Okay, okay, sorry. What I mean is when you finally do the course, oh 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 yeah yeah, like... yeah yeah yeah.
1: So we're given, as far as I understand, we're given like six questions, and we need to answer four of them, something like that. Like oh, long, like long board. form. Uh, part one is not in front of a board, so the board comes in later, like a week or two later after the board has had time to read your responses. And then they, mm-hmm. and then it's in front of them talking about your responses and
0: clarifying. and Oh, I see. You know, but it's not an essay.
1: I mean, it's, yeah, it's a, it's You're not like, a, essay, you know, they're essay answers, long essay answers.
0: Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. So for us, it's, it's a lot like what we did in St. Louis for philosophy. So I need to write a 50 page paper on theology. Yeah, like a topic in theology that I want to write yeah. about. Yeah, um, and then I present that to the school, and the school assigns it to a few members of the faculty who read it, and then I have to defend it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So in a lot I'm, of ways, I, I would haven't prefer started that. it
0: yet, but I gotta. You want to know what I'm writing about? Tell me. Theology. Well, if you would, if you if you would ask, I could. Uh, I literally I could just said, it. "Tell me." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I haven't written it yet, but I'm going to, as I mentioned before, we have spring break coming Uh up, uh, and I am going to try and do the impossible here. I'm going to try and write all 50 pages in that week. (laughs) I'm going to try and do it. Um, and what I'm hoping to do is to write a paper on the spiritual exercises Mm. in particular, my sort of theme is looking at the nature of freedom uh-huh. in the spiritual exercises. Ooh, I like it. Uh the basic question is what does it mean to be free yeah. according to Ignatius in the spiritual exercises? Nice. And then my answer uh is twofold. One, and this is not surprising, I guess, to anybody who knows anything about Ignatius, but if you know anything about the spiritual exercises, it's a twofold answer. One is a freedom from disordered desire. Yep. And then the other is freedom for discipleship in Christ. Um, And so to be free is to be free from uh, your disordered affections, so that you may have them properly ordered to serve Christ and his kingdom. Nice. You know, so that's what it means to be free. And so the importance for me of focusing it on that is that, okay, I can talk about the whole of systematic theology through this because, you know, disordered desire. I can talk about sin. I can talk about the fall. I can talk about ethics. You know, I can talk about um you know discernment etc mm-hmm. um and then when you start talking about uh freedom for mission then you can talk about ecclesiology you can right. talk about the sacraments you can talk about eschatology um you can talk about the incarnation so the trinity etc cetera, et cetera. so everything just sort of falls right, out right, right. of this reflection now, do you have, so i can write a, a whole paper do
1: you have uh, sections that you need to like you're writing on eschatology you're writing on ethics you're writing yeah. on so well, kind of like yeah. kind of like our, so it's a our little, philosophy thing where there were four elements or four parts right. of philosophy.
0: So uh, so this is kind of typical. Uh, it kind of depends on who you ask, what the requirements are. Um, but uh, so generally speaking, you have to treat at some point in some way, Christology, ecclesiology, right. eschatology, right. sin, grace, right. trinity, Christ. And so how you do that, I guess, is kind of up to you. Right. But right. Um, I'm going to try and give it a very like, like a, a very integrated approach mm-hmm. of I want to answer this question about the spiritual exercises Yeah. and it's inevitable, I guess that you start talking about all these things. If you just ask, ask a good question, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, I've been thinking about that question, freedom a lot recently. Oh yeah. Well, last week we had our, our, so every, every winter, every J turn, January turn, we have a vow conference. And it cycles Hmm. through, so every three years they've got one of the vows.
0: Oh, interesting. You don't focus on all three at once? Nope.
1: Well, our retreat, our triduum, is kind of a a vow in general retreat. But the Mm -hmm. conference before that is typically on just one of them. Which I kind of like. I kind of like it. You know, we get a, a chance to really dig in and pray about and focus on just one aspect of our life.
0: So I kind of yeah, like it. that's really good. This year we talked about... I've been missing stuff like that. ...poverty.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's always a difficult conversation to have with Jesuits about poverty. Is it? I mean, I think so. Because, you know, the classic, oh, well, we're not Franciscans comes up all the mm. time. And mm-hmm. that's true. Mm-hmm. We're not Franciscans. We don't have a radical... Uh, what do you call it? Where you just give up every material possession that you own.
0: Well, the Franciscans would just call that the gospel. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. You know, But we are called <laughs> to live the gospel. Uh, and we uh-huh. are called to live simply. And so it's okay. just a... I find it to be a little bit of a difficult thing to pray about, to be honest. And, you know, both of... what it means to be yeah, poor. Yeah, what it means to be poor in our context and our culture and you know you and I both liking tech liking technology you know we like to right you know be fully immersed in the Apple ecosystem mm-hmm. that's not cheap <laughs> right 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 uh yeah so uh, that's been a big question for me how to live freely because I think that's the Ignatian understanding of poverty as a detachment from goods uh-huh yeah well, uh, well before i go into some of the fruits of my prayer i was just wondering what i mean this is a kind of a loaded question because we've all, we've talked about this before so i i do know what you think of this but i don't know have you had any recent do you <laughs> prayer any recent thoughts,
3: thoughts about poverty yeah.
0: well okay so as with with most things i i would love for us to clarify terms mm. so and i think i think this is part of the problem with uh with the vow so um i will say generally i had a conversation with my superior last week and we were talking about it was just one of our manifestations of conscience so it was just a general conversation with him about how my life is going and um you know just checking in and inevitably he asks me about the vows yeah. and how are they you know, the way he phrases it, you know, how how are the vows and how are they going? Um And I can't help but say, and I told this to him, and I've said this to pretty much all of my superiors over the years, is that it's really hard to answer that question because I don't, like, obsess about the vows yeah. consciously yeah. all of the time, you know, like like, I'm not thinking about the vow of chastity or the vow of obedience or the vow of poverty as vows, like, in my waking hours, yeah. you know, I'm not yeah. thinking to myself, like, I'm not ruminating on the vows or I'm not even like wringing my hands wondering if I'm spending too much money. Right. or Like I'm just not as obsessed about the vows in the sort of conscious part of my brain um, as maybe as, as much as I should. I don't know. You and I both had a superior um, who told us once that he, he had a similar experience where the vows just sort of become integrated in his disposition, but that he also felt that we should feel the vows every once in a while. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but we were both told that. Um, yeah, I think... Th- that we should feel them. I think
1: there's a, you know, one of the things that came up in our conversation uh, last week was, do we feel the pinch of poverty? And not necessarily all the time, but ever.
0: hmm Right. So, I mean, well, okay. So, the devil's advocate is going to say, do we need to? Right. I think so. I would say yes. And, I mean, why? Why do you... <laughs> I mean, I... I'm not just trying to like raise random questions. I'm actually kind of curious because yeah. this is a this is kind of a difficult topic because it's really this is why I said we need to define our terms. Yeah. Like, you know as as you as you mentioned with the Franciscans, is like we do say that our vow is one of the three evangelical councils of the church generally. Yep. So it seems like they should be similar. Similar. <laughs> <laughs> in <laughs> like, yeah. you know, obedience should be obedience should be obedience. Right. Um but for some reason we do make exceptions and say, like, well, yeah, Franciscans live the vow of poverty differently than we do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so how do we define poverty in our context? So I think because we get made fun of a lot, we do. Yeah, <laughs> for, it's true. It's true. Uh, I know some people who listen to this podcast who make fun of us for our poverty <laughs> or lack thereof. Uh,
1: yeah, and part. So the main reason why I say that we should feel the pinch every now and then is not so that we can. You know, we've talked about the witness factor before. That was like episode three Mm -hmm. or something. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of it. Like, how are we visible in the world? Okay. Uh, But if you never feel poverty, chastity, or obedience, then for me at least, the fear would be a complacency. Hmm. That I just fall into um, this habit and I never think about it. And like, yeah. But isn't that a good thing? It might be. Yeah, it may be. But like, you know, think about
0: isn't that the definition of virtue is that it becomes a habit <laughs> yeah. or you don't think yes, about it anymore? yes.
1: But it, I think it can also become somewhat skewed if you if you never allow it to to communicate with the change in context or the change in and whatever. So I'm thinking specifically of somebody that we lived with have somebody that we have lived with before where his understanding of poverty was based around what he liked to do. Right, right. So, because, you know, he didn't like to go out to eat. He didn't like to do this, that, and the other. You know, that's how everybody should live poverty. And when you're not doing those things, then you're not doing it. You know, it was very much a comfort thing for him. Jonathan. Did you hear any of that?
0: Dude, That was. can you believe that that just happened? That was weird. (laughs) What happened? How did you hear that?
1: I heard nothing that you said except a garbled mess. And this is about minute 31 for me.
0: Dude, that was so weird. My phone picked up one of the cars. (laughs) And so you were speaking into the car system. Whoa. Yeah, that was really strange. Huh. Well, hopefully you didn't say anything bad. (laughs) No,
1: no. I was talking about uh, how our understanding of how to live the vow communally
0: communally Yeah, yeah, hold on. Hold on. So just <laughs> So you you said something about our way of life. Yeah. You know, our when it defines by by the person's preferences.
2: Yeah.
1: So when it when it does become so integrated, which is a good thing, the then the the shadow side of that is that it becomes the only way to live that. So like if you don't mm-hmm. ever go out to eat or if you don't ever, you know, spend any money on friends then that's the way that poverty is for you. And when people don't do that, then it becomes a problem, especially if you happen to be a superior or you know, whatever somebody So is. So,
0: so let me just clarify. So you're saying if if my standard of living or my my habits of entertainment and social life, um, if I start to impose those as normative for others and I can start judging their choices based off of that, right. like that, uh, standards, so like I really, you know, I don't, I don't drink alcohol. Let's say, yeah. Um, and so if anybody that I live with starts drinking alcohol, I might think that that's a yeah. luxury. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, okay. No, and okay, I'm not just,
1: and I'm also not saying that we need to just be, you know, cavalier with our lifestyles and do whatever we want because we like it. You know, if if you're going out to eat too often and if you're drinking too much, well, then yeah, we need to have a conversation about that because we are, mm-hmm. I, you know. I think the one thing that we can agree with across the board and say um, definitively is that poverty, at the very minimum, is living simply. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. if you are, so for our example, living in Dallas, you know, if you're working with a lot of our lay colleagues who don't have a valve of poverty, you know, and we never go out with them socially, then you can't really build a relationship. Now, again, if you're going out with them every, you know, every day or every week or something, then that might be a conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. But we still have to be engaged with the world.
0: Right. Okay, but I guess where I, I lost you a little bit is, talk to me about this pinch. So how do you experience the pinch?
1: Well, so like, just that, you know, the faculty, let's say the faculty go out for drinks every Friday. Okay. Well, that might be too much. Not just the drinking, but just to spend that much money every week. Mm -hmm. And so you have to decide, you know, well, sometimes I can't go. And that's, you know, that's going to be sad. And I'm going to miss hanging out with friends. Um, But that might be what you need to do.
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't think so. I'm not inclined in that direction. And maybe that's because I don't know how to live this life very well. (laughs) And the life of poverty. But I... I can't help. I, I had a conversation once with the provincial, and I and I said to him, you know, my struggle with that vow in particular is that I think sometimes we we get a little bit scrupulous about money, and it becomes about yeah like penny pinching. And then there's so much, there are so many variables. For example, um, it becomes about penny pinching, and the penny pinching is determined by a person's taste, yeah, um, which is one thing you mentioned, or lifestyle, which is one thing you mentioned. But another thing is like their upbringing. So if someone is used to right. eating a certain kind of bread or drinking a certain kind of milk the moment that they come into contact with someone who does something differently and if that other difference costs more money then it's all of a sudden that guy's not living poverty so then the lowest common denominator becomes the norm right. which i don't understand and yeah. i told this to the provincial and i said i think one of the reasons that i struggle to think about this vow regularly is that to be fair to be fair most of this vow is integrated into our life mm-hmm. yeah like like by definition you don't own anything. Yeah. You know, and you have a detachment from physical things not just because of your spirituality, but also because of our institute. And our institute has made it such that you cannot own anything. Yeah. So that's an aspect of our vow of poverty, is that yeah. it's built in, bro. Yeah. Like we have communal life, we have common cars, we have common credit cards, we have everything in common. Like it's a feature of our communal life. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that needs to be underscored a little bit, is that be, we, I think we overly privatize the vow and saying, like, how am I making sure that the bottom line on my monthly budget yeah, is as agree. low as possible? I completely
1: agree. Um, yeah, uh, anecdotally, you know, I've been having this, this thought as we approach Lent. It's like, man, what do I give up? Cause I've already, I practice no meat on Fridays all year round. I'm working on a stricter diet. Uh, I already pray a whole lot, go to mass every day. It's like, you know, am I just, am I, am I choosing things just so that I can say I've chosen something? That's not very spiritually appealing to me.
0: (laughs) Right, right. So I I would say generally, if you're asking for my advice here. um, All the time. I (laughs) think, thank you. (laughs) Um, I think that, so when it comes to Lenten fast, I don't know how we got on this topic because we're talking about poverty, but. I um, think it's
1: tangentially related.
0: Yeah, I have some more thoughts about poverty that I want to come back to. But to talk about Lent for a second, um, I think, and this is probably not a surprise to you once I say it, but this this is precisely why you need to be examining your conscience mm. regularly is to say, okay, my decision on what to fast on should not be an external imposition. Uh, it should be coming out of what it is that I actually need to uproot in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, so like, have you been praying your examine regularly? Uh, and I'm as guilty as everyone to say, no, yeah. no, I have yeah. not. Um, but then ideally through that, you can say like, you know, it's been coming up a lot is that I drink way too much. Mm. You know, I don't drink sinfully, but I drink more than I ought to because I've shown up to class with a headache multiple times this year. Mm. And you know what? I'm going to be a priest soon and yeah. I probably shouldn't, shouldn't wake up on Sunday mornings with a headache if I'm going to be saying mass. Yeah. Um, I mean this is not a real example this is just a hypothetical. Right right. Um right. but then then I can choose in Lent to say like okay I'm not giving up anything sinful because drinking is not sinful but as a discipline right now in your case let's say to prepare myself for priesthood um I'm going to abstain from alcohol completely. Yeah. Um I don't know. Uh but I maybe maybe another way of phrasing that whole scenario for you is like how are you preparing yourself for ordination? Maybe this Lent is a good way for you to Prepare yourself well for yeah, nation. Yeah,
1: I like it. But, I, you know, I do think that, so going back to this question of poverty, and and I think how this Lenten, um, the question of Lenten fasting fits in with everything. You know, Ignatius in the Constitution speaks of the vows as a source of freedom. You know, poverty frees us. Chastity frees us. Obedience frees us uh, mm-hmm. to serve God more completely. In our lives more dedicatedly, is that a word? Anyway, (laughs) uh, with more dedication. (laughs) Uh, And so, yeah, I think the to agree with you about um, this privatization of our of our vows. I think the the thing that that bugs me the most is when we start to say, "I can only do this now," as Lent approaches. I can only start thinking of this thing if there's a problem. Instead of saying no, I need to live simply. Again, to your point, as a more integrated, as more being more integrated into my life. Mm-hmm. But I think you know, just like the examine, that needs to be to be visited every now and then. And I think that's mm-hmm. what that's where I'm coming with this this idea of the pinch. Like that's our moment to to reevaluate if we're doing this well.
0: Mhm. Is in the moment of examine or in the moment of when
1: I feel it. What? When I feel it. Uh, if I feel it and if I never feel it then maybe that's a question uh is if I'm you know if I'm actually reevaluating this or am I just living comfortably.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I'm <laughs> maybe I'm taking issue with the whole idea of needing to feel it. Um <laughs> because like so from a virtue standpoint do I need to like does it need to be difficult for me to to be courageous, like, do I need to feel the struggle? I mean, to be courageous, bro. That's the gospel. Or can I just be courageous? That's the gospel.
1: <laughs> like, what does Jesus say? That we should love those that love us back. No, love those that hate you. Is that easy? Mm. No way. Don't mm. just don't just lend to those that you you that will give back to you. Be reckless with your love. <laughs> uh, mm. Like that's not that's not a content life.
0: Huh, yeah. So I guess there's always a question of how, of giving more, of doing more, yeah. and then maybe in that sense, the pinch of like, could I be doing more to yeah. live more chastely, more poor, more obedient?
1: You know, one of the one of the gospel passages that came up in our in our deanery meeting was uh, the fig tree. You know, are you just content with nice big shiny leaves, all the while no fruit is being produced? Well. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, chop it down.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, okay. So let's touch earth for a second. Like what, what, what am, what am I doing that is not poor enough? Well, and like, that's, how, how do
1: I yeah, eat? that's the question. That's the question. And I, <laughs> I just, and I, I don't, don't have know. an answer to that, you know,
0: because we do, we do hold poverty up against, you know, need an apostolic yeah. need. Um, it seems at least the way that we're taught in, in our formation is an yeah. apostolic need, all these, yeah. you know takes priority especially when we're in when studies like you know i need books and books are expensive i need a computer computers are expensive i need really nice pens because mm-hmm. pens are awesome and No, <laughs> well, well, you know what i mean like and the, you know well
1: what do you think about this whole um this whole feng shui thing that's coming out and being popular these days what's the name marie conno
0: oh yeah yeah dude i tried watching that before it was even cool <laughs> and i I really struggled. It well, was hard to watch. I
1: mean, but I think that I think that that is a practical thing that we can point to in our lives. Are we living simply? If we see that and say, "Well, that's ridiculous," like if I tried to hold everything that I own and say, "Does this bring me joy?" I would own nothing. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> no, I I didn't. So I didn't dislike the show because of her call to simplicity. I think that's good. I just didn't like the like new agey reverence yeah. the house, yeah. reverence the clothes. Yeah. Like I. But I think I, get it. I think that's like, a
1: way that we can point to our poverty at work in our lives, that we don't see these things as, like, that important. <laughs>
0: mm, we're detached from them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, but detachment can become a very easy way to justify having a lot of things. It's true. It's like, oh, I have a Ferrari. I'm <laughs> detached from it, but, I mean, I, I use it, you know? I mean, um, I'm looking at my closet right
1: now, and there's really not a lot of things in there. And you know mm-hmm.
0: what? I'm okay with that. I actually prefer that.
3: hmm mm-hmm.
1: Going back to your point of, you know, integrated into my lifestyle, like I do I need to is that something that I need to feel the pinch of and have even less clothes? Well, no. No. Um but is it something that every now and then and I think we do this as a part of our lifestyle, you know, when we move. I do yeah. feel the pinch of my uh, clothes when I have to pack them up and ship them across the country.
0: Right. Okay. So I'm going to employ my systematic thinking here and I'm going to, like, I, I want a set of principles <laughs> here to like, to like uh, lean on. This. Uh, well, I need principles, man. <laughs> like I need, like, what are my like A and B and C principles yeah. here that I can go back yeah. to? Like you're the artist. You're the one who's just like, Oh, I have an idea of what yeah. beauty is or something. <laughs> Um, I need you to like dissect beauty for it, and put it on a lab. All you do is search for it.
1: <laughs> but honestly, yeah, no, but honestly, I think that's that's our and you you've you said this not too long ago, right? Like it's built into our way of living, you know. And I think it is. I think the our mobility is a great is a great example of that. Like mm-hmm. if we're true to that aspect of our lives as Jesuits, then either you're just not going to have a lot of things because it's a pain in the butt to ship a lot of things. Or mm-hmm. you're going to be that guy that asks all these guys to hold on to boxes of books while you do this, right. that, and the other, which is a whole different thing that I don't really want to get so, into.
0: Okay. <laughs> so so my desire for principles, okay, so I think the one that you just said is a really good one, is that we are men of the road, yeah. right? So there's a mobility piece that is important. Yeah. I think perhaps, so let's table that one for a second. I think there's a more fundamental principle here, which is, I think generally poverty is precisely about material things. Like there's a... Yes. This is is a vow that pertains to material goods um, and our relationship to material goods. So often you'll hear Jesuits talk about taking a vow not of poverty, but of detachment or of indifference. Yes. It's like okay, okay, that's helpful um to be detached and to be indifferent. But I think that there's another way to just describe it which is to say look, we're asking a question about what is our relationship to the material world? And okay, do I have a an idolatry mm. of material things? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where I can never let go of this thing because this thing gives me purpose and meaning and, you know, has taken on a status beyond its functionality. Um, okay, well there's a problem there in a Christian sense and not just in a religious sense. Um as Jesuits though, like the principle and foundation, like yeah. what is the point of the material world? Yeah. It's to be conducive to the end for which we seek. Yeah. So And what that's about all litmus. those other things? Well, yeah, use them insofar as they're helpful. So insofar as they help to conduce to the final end for which we are made, which is the praise of God, yeah. then keep it. Keep the thing. Yeah. But I think it's a it's a challenge. To say, okay, are you even thinking about how this thing is useful for your mission? Yeah. And if you're not, then you're becoming a hoarder, right?
1: Yeah, and I think you're right. You know, this idea of discernment is is central to how I think how we understand all of the vows. Uh, Hmm. You know, because the principle and foundation does not say all of the other things that are created to help us towards our end are useless and get rid of them because they're, you know, they're their distractions. No, it says if they're good, then keep them and use them and Mm -hmm. use them well. Right. Which is very different from saying we renounce material goods.
0: Yeah. So I think one thing that you just said that was really clutch is not just use them, but use them well. Yes, yes. Because because I could could justify keeping all of the books that are currently on my bookshelf and saying, well, I might go to doctoral studies in the future and I could use them. Yep. Um, which is true, which is true. And it could be reckless for me to try and throw away a lot of these books just to repurchase them later. Yes. Um, but, but there's a discernment piece here, which is, am I actually using these books right now? No. And is, is it really conducive to me using them well to have them just in a box in a basement somewhere for an indefinite amount of time? Maybe Maybe not. not. Maybe, maybe I need to let go of them now. And if God wants to provide for me, you know, a new set of books later, but some might say that that's reckless and that's just me.
1: I mean, you—you just—I think you just hit the hit the nail on the head. Are you going to trust that God will provide in the future? Hmm. And I think that's a big part of our poverty. Do we trust that God hmm. will provide for us?
0: Hmm. No. Yeah, (laughs) probably not. This was this was precisely the grace that I received, uh, or the invitation to a grace, I guess, that I received on my pilgrimage when I was a novice. Um, It was precisely this challenge, which is. God has given me $30 today when I was begging on the side of the road in El Paso. Um, And then I got a ticket, you know, to go to Albuquerque on the Greyhound. And all of the, all the surplus money that I had left over in my pocket, I thought to myself, there's a guy sitting next to me who needs money. Do I trust that I can give him this money and be left with nothing and that God will provide for me again? And the answer was, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't. I don't think I can let go of this and trust that God will be good to me again. Now, in the end, I decided to give him the money because I felt like God could be that good to me, and this man was clearly in need. Yeah. Um, but it's just sort of there's a point there to be made that I think you've made well is that we probably don't trust that God will provide for us, and so we we hold on to things. Yeah. You know? Yep. Hmm.
3: We're discernment. I, mean, I don't
0: like. I I don't like like you know sort of like always chucking it all up to discernment, but I think that there's something in like inherent.
1: Yeah. Well, there. maybe that's the part that needs to be so ingrained in our, in our way of living. That. What? Discernment. You know, and not, and not in a way that, oh, well, I'm constantly discerning, blah, 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 That's wrong. Discernment leads to an action. Um, just like prayer. Uh, but maybe that's, that's what's missing here is that we're not, we're not focusing on that as a way of understanding how to live poverty well. Because if if we're just saying there's one way, then there's no discernment. Mm. And if it's just one way for yeah. all time, then there's definitely no discernment.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And even Ignatius doesn't speak of the election in that way. Like, yeah, we make an election to join religious life. Okay, that's a one thing that happens, or to get married, or to you know become a priest, etc. That's the election, and then all of the other little littler things. Well, yeah, we can we can figure that out a little bit differently, mm-hmm. and that's when that mm-hmm. discernment comes in on a smaller
0: scale, right? Hmm. Right, because we've made a, a choice for our state of life, yeah. and then that's the means by which that's the thing that we are going to give God glory in, and yeah. then all the things that we have otherwise assist us. In yeah, um, I do say though that I I do struggle with like. You know, we called it the witness factor before, but I, I get really frustrated when I'm... Maybe, uh, maybe I shouldn't get frustrated. Maybe this is good that people tell me when they think I'm not living my own vows. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Like, I I get a, I get a little frustrated or angry when people come to me and say, like, you know, are you actually living your vow yeah. of poverty? look at this giant house you're um, living in. Right. It's of kind of insulting sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> Where it it's is. like...
1: I mean, yeah, a normal family doesn't have a fleet of cars or a giant house, but a normal family also doesn't have 15 people living together, 15 adults living Mm -hmm. together Mm -hmm. with 15 different jobs. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Um, So anyway, there's something interesting there of like, there there is a rule for, you know, Christians to call each other out in terms of, or challenge each other to live, you know, their vows more with integrity. Yeah. But I guess one of the ways that it becomes a challenge for me is when it's done so like jokingly or flippantly. Yeah. Um uh, I find that to be a little bit difficult because it just presumes that we're not thinking about what it means to live our vows, to be Yeah. You know what well, I mean? Um Yep. So like if, if the vow of chastity was treated the same way, if people <laughs> like if, if a friend if a friend of mine had a problem with the way that I interacted with another person uh-huh. and said, Hey, you're you're you were being flirtatious. Yeah. It's like, they probably wouldn't just say that out loud in front of a group of people. Yeah. They probably would say in private, right. like, this is a serious concern. Right.
1: But the poverty so is maybe. done kind of jokingly or bitingly.
0: Yeah. And that's that's hurtful. Yeah. I find it hurtful. I mean, I I think most of us are trying. Are trying to yeah. live this life yep. with some integrity. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. The vow of poverty. So are we starting a series here on the vows? Are we going to talk about chastity next week?
2: Maybe.
1: If that's something people would be interested in, I love talking about the vows.
0: <laughs> oh, man. They hit too ho- close to home. Maybe. Yeah.
1: Well, maybe this is us feeling the pinch. <laughs> I'm not giving that up.
0: <laughs> that we need to feel the pinch. Yeah. Well, this is your whole thing about like, like abstaining on Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Exactly. But... Exactly.
1: Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm. You know, it's, it's got to be
1: a constant. And, you know, I, I suspect we are talking about the same thing when you say integrated into my daily life. Uh, you know that's exactly why I want to do a, a more consistent fasting, hmm. so that it is integrated into my life, and I don't, you know, when when uh, Good Friday or Ash Wednesday come, comes around, that I'm not, you know, freaking out because I don't know how to fast anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm kind of dreading. I I always kind of dread Lent because I. <laughs> I don't, I, I always feel pressured to do things. Yeah. And, yeah. Sometimes I don't want it's your pressure, bro. <laughs> exactly. And I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should be a little bit more mortified. Maybe I'm not as mortified <laughs> as I should be.
1: Well, yeah, I don't know. I think there's levels of it. Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm. And also it depends on your, like where we are in our life. Like right now, you know, I, I'm a student. Yeah. So like, the student's life is know, very different from,
1: our, our apostolic life. And even Ignatius said that students shouldn't be too concerned with begging for food and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That right. That should be provided, right. provided for. So, anyway.
0: So this seems to be, so this conference that you had on poverty seemed to be a pretty important part of your semester. Start. Yeah, it was great. I guess this is, he did this right before you started the, yeah, school, yeah. the school year.
1: Yeah, and we, I mean, we often do. I suspect you do as well uh, in our life, have little... Little mini retreats before, before semesters or um, before before big things. Mm-hmm. I think it's wonderful that we have this a uh, wonderful ability to to stop and pray before we get into something like a semester.
0: Oh, totally. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I have not had one in a while uh, because the one that they have here is optional for those who have gatherings in their home provinces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. So every time I go home for the formation gathering, that's my trade. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, I appreciate talking about poverty. Maybe in the future we will talk about Chastity. Maybe maybe you can be offering me through these conversations (laughs) what I'm missing. (laughs) Could be, could
1: be. This is how we help each other. You know, so we've been going for a little while now. And there's something else that I really want to talk about, but it might take a
0: a little bit of time. You want to set it up and maybe we can come back to it? Yeah.
1: So, in in the world today, I don't know if you've, being in Canada, I don't know if this has come across <laughs> your plate.
0: Well, Canada is in, in the these, world. In so. these
1: United States, we just had <laughs> oh. somewhat of a crisis. I would call it a crisis. So, recently we had the March for Life, the National March uh-huh. for Life in D.C., which was a great event. Many people went, many people from this community yeah. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. Love life.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, but what took the American attention was something that happened at the very end of the weekend.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the, the, the Catholic school boys? The Catholic
1: school boys, yeah, from Covington, Kentucky. Oh, uh, yeah. Ah Man, and it really, really made me stop and think about how we live our lives. Uh So a little bit of context, we, so I really wasn't up on all of this as it was happening because this was our release day. <laughs> so I was looking at Twitter and trying to figure things out for a different reason mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for our, for our normal schedule of promotions and whatnot anyway. So I didn't really pick up on this case until the end when like the whole video was, was finally being
0: oh okay being put okay out. so you 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 missed the whole like
1: yeah the initial craze
0: okay because the craze changed from yes from being it was a story that changed from being these kids are doing something bad to look what happens when the full story isn't out yes yes
1: and that's the part that so really you, bugged me you know now okay so,
0: yeah go ahead I was gonna say you were most struck by the way in which the story was handled. Uh, and the kids were villainized and or you know the incomplete information, yeah, by everybody,
1: kind of stuff, like yeah. literally everybody uh the news and uh twi- uh internet people alike, just mm-hmm. nobody did this well, and you know there's a bunch of reasons for that that I don't really have any interest in going into um you know, and yeah, okay, the kids shouldn't have probably shouldn't have been wearing those hats um to the rally there's a lot of things that we can that we can go into
0: uh but what bothers you
1: well the thing that bothers me is that how i thought i had this better thought out in my in my mind it just i still i'm still finding myself getting worked up about it um (laughs) good yeah well just the 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 hatred that i saw (laughs) And even when the full video came out and people were realizing that, okay, they may have jumped the gun a little bit, you know, and, okay, so good on them. There were a lot of people apologizing, but I was struck by what people were apologizing for, for like, oh, Oh. you know, this is, this is a good example of what happens when, when we don't have the full story. So I apologize to these kids for making a rash judgment
0: what else would people apologize for
1: for for calling for like expulsions for physical harm for being nasty mm. people like mm. i am sorry i was a nasty person just now <laughs> mm. instead of instead of what i think a lot of people said was oh i'm sorry i, I overreacted cuz i didn't have all the all the information which is a thing that you should so say wait, which is a thing that you should but you're say
0: you're saying that if if they if they assume that they did have the full story you're saying that the reaction was unwarranted the the way the way in which people yeah, reacted even was. if
1: even if they were in the right at the beginning the the huge overreaction i think was really scary like people calling yeah. for them to be expelled for the for like what i just said their physical harm you know sure like this is not okay they're children
0: Okay, so I'm going to help you here a little bit. Okay, um, I, I think I think what you have issue with is is probably a symptom of a deeper problem. Um, now, I think I think I know where you're coming from. I think you're coming from the perspective of when people move quickly to make judgments or accusations uh, without complete knowledge yeah. or without complete uh, understanding. Was, is that it? Is was that correct? C-
1: total yeah. chaos, mob mentality, right? Like, right. they were there with their pitchforks.
0: So I, right. And it was an incomplete understanding of the reality of the situation. Like, there's there's a fear, I think, for anybody. Uh, so, this this is sort of a situation that is pervasive in our culture, perhaps, which is the call-out culture, yeah. the, um, you know, digging back through people's tweets, digging back yep. through people's yearbooks, yep. and, like, finding things. Maybe, maybe they reflect a truth. Maybe they're taken out of context. I don't know. But before... Before you know, the jury can, can conclude there's no due process, right? There's just yes, and right? that's there's just not how we
1: function in our society.
0: Right. Okay. So your issue, I think, is the same as my issue, which is that there's there's a lack of due process in accusations, verdicts, and sentencing. Like there's no, you know, there's no time between those things. Like the the judgment, the verdict, the judgment, the accusation, the verdict, and the in the um, the sentencing all happen. Within, yeah. you know, one... And it's the same person um,
1: acting as judge, jury, and
0: executioner. Right. And there's there's a problem there of justice. Um, which I think is why you're legitimately angry. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a problem here of injustice, which is, you know, people do terrible things and there is a question of justice there, yes. right? Let's say these kids did, in fact, do something terrible. Um, but then, 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 if someone does something terrible, then what do we do with them? Mm-hmm. Okay, so how is that person treated? How is that person? You know, I, I used to be very like skeptical about defense attorneys. Mm. I used to not respect defense attorneys. I had a friend who worked as a defense lawyer. Um, and I talked to her and I said, you know, how do you, I didn't say it this way, but basically what I was getting at is how do you live with yourself? (laughs) Like, how do you live with yourself knowing that the person that you're defending is a criminal? Uh And she said to me, and, and correct me if this is not exactly what you're getting at, but I think this is what you're getting at. Um, I, she said to me, "David, I don't defend criminals. <laughs> I defend due process. Mm. I defend mm, yeah. our constitution. Yeah. I def- like I'm defending the rule of law. Um, so, so I would much rather I would much rather defend someone who's being accused, not calling them a criminal, defending someone accused." Yeah. to the best of my ability to make sure that the state does not wrongfully convict someone who's innocent. Yeah. So I'm not defending the criminal. I'm defending the future person who's innocent that will have a witch hunt against right. him.
1: Right, Yeah, that's a great because distinction. Because
0: I'm making sure that the... Right. So like, I am just making sure that this witch hunt won't happen in the future mm-hmm. by making sure that the prosecution and the state are working their butts off to make a good case. Right. Because if they can't, then... They're not going to send this guy to yep. prison, and
1: then we've got major, major problems. Total breakdown right. of so,
0: society. So she, I think she really helped clarify for me what the purpose is. Is that there's a defending here of the system, of the due process, of justice. Like she's she's in a position to make sure that the state doesn't abuse its power. Right. Right. Because it's the state that prosecutes. Right. Is this? Is this? Does this drive out your feeling of anger? Yeah. Is this where it's yeah.
1: Occur? I mean. Partly, it's, that's a big part of it. You know, just, but also, I think, just seeing personal responsibility kind of thrown out the window. Like, people Mm. thinking it's, it's their job to call into this, to these boys' school to try to get them expelled. Oh, wow. Like, I saw, and I saw that. I saw people doing that. Posting the numbers of Mm. the diocese, posting the numbers of the school on, you know, Twitter and Facebook. It's Like, hmm. that's just not what we do.
0: Right. It, it. It again. It short circuits due process. Yeah. Right. I and mean, it becomes it becomes a matter of uh the rule of it's like it's like the rule of of the mob. Yeah. it's well, like it's, be- mob it's rule, like you know? those mov-
1: those movies. Uh, The Purge. <laughs> mm. <laughs> we take a we take our one day in the year and just kill everybody. Only
0: wow. only that day
1: is every day on Twitter. <laughs> Mm.
0: okay so i think i think there's a point there about due process it's important hey here's here's something that might help also clarify i think you're what you're saying and this is very tangentially related but i think i think it might help i think part of the problem um is that and maybe i'm just trying to defend myself here for reading books uh <laughs> like paper books um yes. i wonder i wonder if the there's a relationship here to our inability to read long form yeah so long form writing and long form reading have very much declined it seems yep. in people's habit yep. um you know so there's even like subgenres now of like you know long r- pieces like long articles to read uh where people like seek out long articles because they don't get long articles everything that they get is yeah. short form now, the reason I'm bringing this up is because it seems like you're concerned that no one wanted to wait until the long form of the story was released. Yeah. Now, <laughs> so, and don't
1: get me wrong, like I'm I'm as distrustful as of the media as anybody. Like I don't read the news even before the whole fake news thing, you know, became a thing. Uh, but I still respect and appreciate and understand the need for these things not to be just left to the the tyranny of you know of the of the majority hmm. you know that's part of what it means to be a constitutional republic is that we don't just hmm. bow down to who's ever the whoever is the loudest right. right that it's the constitution that it needs to be what your lawyer friend was saying to defend the process
0: yeah yeah hmm absolutely I guess the reason I was bringing this up is just with the long form thing is that I wonder if people are incapable of if if we've just fallen out of the habit of thinking through things. Yeah,
1: I think I think that's exactly right. And, you know, well, you know, that's one of the reasons why I like that our that our podcast, that our conversations are going that they go long because people don't do that. And I like doing that.
0: Yeah, but you also don't do the editing. So, okay. well, here's a funny story (laughs) called Neither Do You. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> <laughs> we don't, have yeah, <laughs> I I try, I try, I, I try to minimize that as much as possible. Um, no, I, I, pre- I mean, so you have the long form podcasting, you know, Joe Rogan, all those kinds yeah. of guys. You have long form writing uh, in terms of news stories, people, you know, writing out long stories, books, people writing books. That that I think is on the rise, like the long form, yeah. because people are so thirsty. Because we've just been, you know, we've just been eating various bite sized pieces. Yeah. Like there's even in our preaching. I don't know. I relate it to this. What do you mean? Oh, the, the, our preaching has become very like... some Sound, soundbite, Yeah.
1: And I mean, I'm I'm yeah. in that camp. Like a daily mass needs to be two to three minutes. A Sunday mass can go long, but it's got to be really, really good.
0: Mm-hmm. But anyway, keep going. Do you understand why I brought this up though in relation to your... Yeah, I mean, yeah, with it's, these it's part guys. of,
1: it's part of, of that call out culture that you were talking about. We're so, we're so accustomed to not having to wait for anything. And so mm. to not wait for the full story is, yeah, it seems like that's a logical next step. We're just going to listen to, uh, so every, in a sense, everybody on Twitter is now, are now writing headlines. Right.
0: Right. Instead of saying something like, um, this is an interesting video that I saw, I I'm interested in the authorities investigating this some more. Yeah. It's look how terrible these kids are that they did this yeah. thing. Um Yeah, it's difficult though because it seems like we do have this tremendous power to be reporting. Right. right to report things that we see. Right. And there's a tension there,
1: right? And we should. But but I mean Keep in mind though that reporters are not juries. (laughs) Reporters are not out there. They're trying to uncover truth. And Mm -hmm. that's not what I saw. We're Mm. not interested in the truth. We want to hate. I mean, it's that comic that I, that I sent you, uh, a ways back. You know, the two guys, I'm mad. Well, here's a solution. I don't want a solution. I want to be mad.
3: He (laughs) sets the solution on fire.
1: (laughs) Wow. Wow. Uh, hm. Yeah, I didn't see, I didn't see the, the, the earnestness of people on Twitter, like they do for a lot of things to try to uncover the truth. You know, the, the sex abuse is a great example. You know, people out there need to have a voice to speak out. Mm-hmm. But when it becomes a witch hunt, well, that's, that's something different.
3: Right. Right. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is good. I mean, this is yeah.
1: This isn't something that we're going to be able to solve. I just, I just wanted to talk about it. Um, Right. You know, these things. These these things can be a little like touchy, touchy topics, touchy conversations with people, controversial. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah. No, but there's good food for thought here. I mean, for us to think in terms of the future, um, I, I would like to talk to you more about like. What is it that you find in long form stuff Yeah. Um, that you find valuable? Like, how does that affect us in a way that we're yeah. educating ourselves and our children? But also that other aspect of due process. I, f- I find that very fascinating. Yeah. Like, what is happening to our culture that we no longer have the patience for a trial? Yeah,
1: well, <laughs> we- you know, and we're so we're both reading this book. Uh, I think I've started. You own it. At least I know that it's called The Coddling mm-hmm. of the American Mind. Oh yeah. Uh, so maybe at some point we can do a <sighs>
0: not like a book review, but why don't, just like a show talking yeah, about. Actually, why don't why don't we do that? Why don't we have a little bit of the other things book club?
1: <laughs> the other, I like that the other things book club. Here's another
0: thing. We can ass- <laughs> assign it. We can assign it. We can assign it as homework. Yeah,
1: yeah let's do that. Maybe.
0: Uh... Yeah, let's do that. Maybe not for next week. <laughs> That's what I was thinking.
1: <laughs> but- can I read it in a week? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. Let's give ourselves... So we're set to record next week and then two weeks after. How about we give ourselves one, two, three weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. So if you're listening to this and you want to participate, it's called The Coddling of the American Mind. Who's it by? Uh,
1: Jonathan Haight and Gregory... Oh, shoot. What's his name?
0: Uh, That's probably you have enough. The, Jonathan Haight. You have the physical book, don't you? I do, but it's like over there in my room. I'm like pointing at it. It's a little far away. <laughs> here, <laughs> I've, got get it. It.
1: I've got it here. Greg Lukanoff. I think that's how you say that.
0: So Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukanoff, Coddling of the American yeah. Mind. We'll review that in three weeks. Yeah, man. Cool. All right. Other Things Book Club just launched. <laughs> it's official. It's on the internet. <laughs> that's right. All right, cool, man. Well, let's do that then. All right. Sounds good. It's good talking to you. All right, dude.
1: Likewise. Peace.
3: Peace.